0: Okay, so let's just pray together, and then we'll look at this passage together. Father, we thank you for another lovely, beautiful, sunny morning, and Lord, we we thank you for the good weather that we've enjoyed uh, over these last, well, weeks now. And Father, we we thank you for uh, the opportunity to just spend a few minutes as we... Uh, read your word and as we do that father we pray that for each one of us there might be something that we can uh, as it were take hold of something that that is um, relevant to us lord we know that you're able to use your word to speak to each one of us in our different circumstances and situations and we pray that will be true this morning amen good so we come to samuel One, Samuel. And um, as we do that, let's just, um, oh, in my haste of trying to get my phone on thing, I've lost some of my pages. Oh, this is good. So, in uh, 1400 BC, or thereabouts, um, Israel, the Jewish people, entered into the promised land. 1400 BC and roughly 300 years later is, is, is the book of Samuel. It was probably written by the way they think uh, sometime after Solomon's reign but the events in the book of Samuel 1 Samuel 2 Samuel start about 1100 BC so we think. So they enter the promised land and um, there's amazing military victories uh, enable them to conquer the land although as we know they didn't drive out uh, all the people from the land and that was part of the problem that happened that uh, part of the problem over these coming years 300 years because they although they worshiped god they mixed their worship of god with the worship of the gods of the people that lived in that land gods like baal and they thought that was okay you know, to, to oh well we'll worship God I'd like going to church on Sunday, but then Monday we do our own thing or whatever. And 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 they they became unfaithful to God, as we as Phil was reminding us last week during the time of the judges. They became morally degenerate as well. Their practices, the way they lived, was no different in many ways to the nations that God had driven out of the land. Um And so God allowed uh, different neighbors, different uh, peoples to oppress them. And as we know, every so often, the Israelites realized that it's because they turned away from God and they cried out to God and then God would send them somebody to deliver them. And then things would be okay for a short while. And then, sure enough, go back to as it was. And um, that happened, that cycle. There's two phrases that crop up in Judges quite a few times, and they're these. Israel had no king, and secondly, everyone did as he saw fit. And there's a connection between those two phrases, of course. It wasn't because Israel had no human king was the problem. It's because they constantly refused to recognize that God was their king. And instead, they did as they saw fit. And if human beings do as we see fit, it invariably means that we turn away from God and live as we want. We make choices that we think are best for us, even though they're not. So that was through the judges. And then, of course, at the end of last week, uh, Phil reminded us um, of that wonderful story in the book of Ruth. It's a great, great story, isn't it? And um, uh, so many wonderful um, aspects uh, to it. But one of the things that came out right at the end of Phil's uh, devotion was that how um, how God's purposes uh, were being worked out in a way that no one could have foreseen. That from this uh, young foreign woman and a bitter Jewish grandmother, or she became a grandmother, a bitter Jewish old lady. How not only did these purposes work out for them as a family, but that God's greater purposes unfolded in a way that we could never have seen, and how from from them um, King David would come. And that bears a sort of connection. Sorry, I've taken far too long on that intro, but that bears a sort of connection to what we see at the the start of this book of 1 Samuel. Because at the start of 1 Samuel, we see, again, a very sad situation. We see see this woman, distressed woman, desperate woman, Hannah, (coughs) praying. Praying for a child. And we know that in that culture, not to have a child was was a, a, a cause of great shame. But in her situation, it was amplified because... Um, the, the, um, she was the second wife and the other wife had children and the other wife used to mock her and make her life even more miserable than it would have been. And so we see this, we see, uh, Hannah praying in one Samuel one verse 15 and, um, we'll go back before that, perhaps verse 10 in bitterness of soul. Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. So, that, so this is a really sad, really sad situation. Um, and she, obviously something that she, she desperately wanted to have a child. And she prays to the Lord. And then she makes this promise, this vow, doesn't she, in verse 11. Lord Almighty, if you'll only look upon your servant's misery and remember me, and not forgive your servant, but give her a son, Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will be ever used on his head. She's saying, I'm willing to devote him to you, for him to serve you, for him to be used by you. Remember me. She's not saying... um, Remember there has that, as you've got perhaps seen your notes at the bottom of the Bible, if you've got a study Bible, you know, it, that th- about remembering is really saying, God, act on my behalf, act for me, do something, do something. And of course, uh, Eli the priest, she's praying there in the, in the tabernacle. Um, Eli the priest sees her and she, he thinks she's just drunk because he can see her mad in these words but she's not drunk. She's just praying out of bitterness of spirit. But when she leaves there, something must have changed because we, as she walked away, we read her face was no longer downcast. And in verse, next verse, um, yeah, and the Lord, and verse 19, and the Lord remembered her. That wasn't saying. Oh, by the way, must do something about Hannah now. I forgot she prayed to me all those months ago. Whatever else, God, God acted on her behalf, and so in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, saying, "Because I asked the Lord for him." And the word Samuel, the name Samuel, means "heard of God." God heard her prayer, but it actually has a wider wider application in a sense as we as we think about this god heard her prayer it's true but the boy samuel we know is one who from the very beginning very beginning sorry my phone slipped out. from the very beginning um at a young age he starts to hear god himself and we know in chapter three don't we how god called to him when he was uh, he he was his room was in the te- was in the tabernacle the temple whatever it was, and he hears God calling to him. He hears God's word. And uh, and you know the story how eventually Eli cottons on that it's that it's God that's speaking to him and tells Samuel to go and listen. And. Um, And that came at a time when we read in chapter 3, verse 1, that the word of the Lord was rare. God was not being heard in Israel. God was not being heard then. Um, And in 3, verse 7, the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him, to Samuel. 3, verse 19, the Lord was with Samuel and he let none of his words fall to the ground. 321 the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word so when when she calls him Samuel his name has far greater significance in a sense than just that God heard her prayer through Samuel God's word would be heard God Samuel heard God's word and then Samuel brought God's word to the nation of Israel and that was really important he became a true prophet one of the great prophets of Israel and then in the middle of this we've got ch- chapter 2 which is Hannah's prayer and it's a wonderful prayer a bit like Mary's prayer actually in the New New Testament she starts off my heart rejoices in the Lord in the Lord my horn is lifted high my heart rejoices in the Lord I'm sure she rejoiced at having a child, and of course she goes on to have other children, after Samuel, rejoiced in having a boy. But more than that, she rejoiced in in God himself, the God who had heard her prayer, the God who'd listened to just this one desperate woman and responded, and not just responded and met her need, but through her in a sense to meet a far greater need for the nation of Israel it's a a wonderful a wonderful prayer go on work read your way through it and in, in the middle of those prayers these verses um, 6 and 7 the lord brings death and makes alive he brings down to the grave and he raises up the lord sends poverty and wealth he humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honour. This God, <coughs> this Lord, this God who is overall, overall, sovereign over all things, he is the one that raises the humble and lifts them up. In the way that she, this humble lady who sought God's help, has been lifted up and received the answer to a prayer. But in the same way, God is the one who also brings down those that are proud, those that do not need him, those that think that they can sort things out for themselves. And then right at the end of the prayer, we read this. The end of verse 10. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. A strange thing to say, isn't it? He will give strength to his king because at this time Israel had no king. But she speaks prophetically. She speaks prophetically of the king that was coming. And of course, we know initially that was David. But when she talks about exalt the horn of his anointed, That word anointed is the same root word as as the word Messiah. God is, in a sense, she's she's been used by God to say, yes, the king is coming, and King David would be anointed by Samuel uh, towards the end of his lifetime. But not only was David, the great king of Israel, coming, but one far greater than David was coming, the one who will judge to the ends of the earth. And just reminded me just how, you know, how God is able, just in the case of Ruth and Naomi, and now in the case of Hannah, God is able to use, if you like, insignificant people. God is able to use that which is weak and, and, not, and, and seemingly not, not of any great value. And he's able you know, to work in those situations and not just answer their, if you like, their immediate prayer but work in far greater ways. I was just thinking of those um, words in Ephesians. Ephesians 3.20, the verse that you know, where it talks about how how God is able to do so much more. Let's just read Ephesians 3.20 together. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us.